We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears for the Bear Report website. The podcast is powered by Overtime Media. Now, here's Zach and Aaron. Welcome in, Bears fans, to another edition of the Bear Report Podcast, broadcasting from the Vivid Seats studio. Use promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases for our first-time customers only. Bears fans, we did it. We're finally here. It's almost week one. On Thursday night, the Chicago Bears will host the Green Bay Packers at Soldier Field to help kick off the 100th season of the NFL the long wait is over. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Pearson. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Aaron Lemming. Aaron, man, it's week one. I'm just glad it's finally here, man. It's, I don't know about for you, I mean, we're recording this on a Monday, but I don't know about you, but I am, uh, it's definitely the the pregame jitters or whatever, just like kicking off the seasons, definitely are starting to kick in. I'm already, I'm already pretty amped up, and it's only Monday, and we got until Thursday. It's going to be a long week, even though it's a short work week. Yeah, I was going to say the nice thing about this is uh, almost everyone has Monday off uh, in the work world, so it's going to make the, the week go by even quicker. Um, unfortunately, I did not. I had to be up at House Halls. The Bears are preparing for the Green Bay Packers. They did practice on Sunday. They practiced today on Monday. They'll practice Tuesday. Um, their Tuesday will actually be like their Friday in a normal week. Um, I'm, they have Wednesday off, essentially, and then Thursday it's go time, so um we're right here we're, we're ready for the start of week one and uh you know although the bears say that they're ramping up for the packers this week they have been pretty much preparing for them for at least the past two to three weeks so it, it, they got their game plan in already and it's going to be interesting because it's it's kind of one of those things if you really think about it it's it's almost a flip-flop of last year in terms of 
obviously the you know they're they're kicking off the season versus kicking off Sunday night football. Uh, but I mean, you got last year it was the Bears with the new head coach and you know the the new defense and all this stuff and you know or well, more the point the new head coach and they had new pieces on defense and the same defensive coordinator. And they were going into hostile territory into Lambeau Field, and now it's the exact opposite. This year, um, the Bears are the more established team by a year in terms of coaching, um, and now the Packers have a brand new head coach, young, you know, offensive-minded guy, uh, same quarterback there, and you know they got the same defensive coordinator, but a ton of new pieces, and now they're coming into Soldier Field. I mean, it's just it, it's almost an exact flip-flop, and and hopefully at least in terms of like the result, you know, hopefully it'll be exactly the same in terms of you know the Packers pulled it out last year hopefully the Bears will pull it out this year because I mean just kind of looking at the very beginning of the schedule I mean the Bears have a lot of winnable games but uh, you know and obviously we don't need to get too ahead of ourselves by any means but uh, week two is going to be at least in my mind is going to be a little bit harder than people think because I mean you're going into Denver Denver uh, especially early in the season even with Joe Flacco and, and Vic Fangio a new head coach and all that I mean it's still going to be a very tough game so there's I don't know. It's just going to be, it's just one of those. I mean, they just kind of hit the ground running plus, I mean, you got to think about it. They play on Thursday night and then they don't play again until Sunday afternoon. Cause it's an afternoon game. I mean, it's, we're either going to be enjoying a win for a week and a half or we're going to be stewing in a loss. And I, I don't know if you remember how how rough that was last year after the Bears lost that first game like that. And we only had to wait eight days because they played Sunday night and then they turned around and played Monday night. It's like add a few more days onto that. And that's, that's how we're going to be feeling. So hopefully we'll be enjoying a win. Hopefully we can sit down this weekend and, and watch the rest of the games, you know, the Vikings game, the you know, Detroit game, whatever games you're going to watch. But hopefully we can sit down this weekend and enjoy week one kicking off and the Bears have already won and, and, and they're already off on a high streak. Yeah, that's ideal. Um, and, you know, enjoy the rest of the games until all of my fantasy teams flop on Sunday because it never fails uh, for me. Uh, to kind of touch on that Vic Fangio point, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but that's also a guy that knows your offense from being in Chicago with Nagy for, for a year. Uh, and he's got two pretty damn good edge rushers out there in Denver as well. So, but yeah, I mean, the bears Packers this year, almost identical to last year. The bears, like you said, come in last season with a new head coach, green Bay coming in with a new head coach this year. Big difference though, is the Packers do not have Cleo Mack and the Packers did not make a big splash for a player like Cleo Mack. Um, the anniversary of the bears training for Cleo Mack was just a few days back um, and I remember it like, you know, like it was yesterday, I, I woke up in the morning, we kind of saw the rumblings. What was it late Friday night? There was a couple of reports out that, you know, a deal could be done. Uh, I believe the bears, were one of the teams interested at the time was one of the reports and waking up Saturday was just like checking your phone and being like, Oh my God, Chicago bears got Cleo Mack. And it was just incredible. Do you remember what you were doing when, uh, the news kind of broke? I had just woken up and, <laughs> So I woke up and uh, my phone was blown up and I looked and one of the first notifications, so I'm sure everybody does, everybody has probably the you know specific notifications from Schefter, Rappaport, all those guys. And the first thing that popped up was I saw one from Schefter and I saw one from Rappaport and then I saw a few DMs and a few texts like, dude, wake up, the Bears are getting Khalil Mack. It was, yeah, it was that was easily the best way I've ever woken up my life. Like that was, that was just a a phenomenal moment. It was just a great day. Um, Obviously it led to pretty cool things in terms of the bears going from first to worst, winning the first division title since 2010. So, you know, no real big slash move in terms of that this year, but I think the bears are still sitting really good. It just, man, it blows my mind. How many people I was actually on Fox sports uh, radio last night and the, the amount of people that, 
think the Bears are in for like some sort of regression. It, it's just it's crazy to me. Like I almost kind of starting to wonder. It's like, am I losing my mind? Am I too high in this team? But then I remember, it's like, no. I mean, there's there's pretty much the same team, maybe a little bit better, and they got more experience. And this is year two of Matt Nagy's offense. And I mean, the defense didn't really lose that much in terms of when you're looking at talent. Obviously, Vic Fangio is a big part of that, which people point to. But again, I mean, even with Vic Fangio, not many people were talking about Vic Fangio as being some great defensive coordinator until last year when the Bears had the top defense in the league and they made the playoffs. I think some of that's revisionist history. And again, the Bears didn't lose, you know, they didn't lose all the talent. They still have Khloe Mack. They still have Eddie Jackson. They still have Kyle Fuller. I mean, they still have Roquan Smith, Akeem Hicks. I mean, they still have all these guys. And that's, I I think that's kind of something that a lot of people are forgetting. But again, it's just going to be nice to be able to sit back and actually watch the season play out. If they, you know, if they if they fail or if they fall back, they fall back. But at least we won't be talking about what could be, you know, what's going to be stuff like that. We'll actually be talking about what's actually happening, and that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, it's reached that point in the off season where enough of the predictions, enough of what you think could happen. I mean, I'm just ready to see it all play out. Yeah, for whatever reason, it's like the Bears are the trendy pick to go like worst to first, which is or first to worst. I'm sorry, they went worst to first last season. Uh, to go back to you know last place, which is just it's odd to me. I mean, like, find me a publication that's actually giving respect to the Bears outside of Lewis Riddick and maybe a couple other guys. Like, it, it's very hard to find. ESPN came out with their predictions today. What was it? They had Green Bay at 13 and three, number one seed in the NFC. I, I don't. I mean, like, is this? It's just, just like to get clicks. What is this? I mean, I I could see the Packers being a good team, but it's like a disrespect for the Bears for a team that's coming off of a 12 and four season and going to have Matt Nagy's offense for the second year. They don't lose a lot on defense. Yeah, losing Vic Fangio does hurt a little bit, but it's not like you know Chuck Pagano. Pretty much, he just doesn't have to screw this up. There's enough talent. Um, on this defense all across the board, where it's like he just doesn't like. It would take him pushing every single wrong button for like this defense to completely regress like out of the top 10 and you know people use that word regress and i've said it i mean all throughout this offseason if even if they regress to number five or number four in the nfl you'll still take that as long as the offense is top 15 and maybe even fringe top 10 i think that's a good combo like you're not going to complain if the bears defense finishes, you know, number five in the league and they still have 25 plus takeaways. Um, they're still up there in the top 10 in sacks and, and everyone stays healthy. I still think that's a good enough formula um, for them to win the NFC North. I, I, I just, it's just crazy to me how many publications are just picking the bears. And it's not even like, Oh, the bears will be a wild card team. They're picking them literally to finish last or third, which is, it's wild to me. Well, and, and like you just pointed out, I mean, okay, maybe the Bears' defense does take a small step back in terms of rankings. I mean, it wouldn't be unfounded for that to happen. I mean, every year we see different, you know, different teams jump up a little bit. But the thing is, is the difference between, uh, you know, a, the the top defense in the league in terms of, you know, yardage and, the, and, a, and you know, top or, you know, the, the fifth defense. I mean, just to kind of give you an idea in terms of, oh, maybe this isn't. I was, I was looking it up as we're going here all this preseason. That's why I'm looking at it. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. But, okay, either way, I, maybe I don't really have any have any good uh, – okay, yeah, right here. So the Ravens were, in terms of total defense, in terms of overall yards allowed per game, they were at 293, basically. The Jacksonville Jaguars were at 311. So one to five you're talking about. You're talking about, what, basically not even, not even 20 yards a game. So – 
you got that. I mean, it's just, it, 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 but it's crazy to me that again, like it, it feels like, it, it feels like people look at it and they say, okay, well, you know, from a turnover perspective, and like Joe Ostrowski said last week, from a turnover perspective, it's probably not going to be as good as it was. I mean, their turnover margin is probably not going to be as good. Uh, the amount of turnovers in general that they get, uh, you know, it wasn't like historic, historic, but I mean, it was really damn good. And usually from year to year, you see a little bit of a drop off at the same time. I think that with the aggression of Chick Pagano's defense, you're also going to see probably more sacks. You're probably going to see maybe not less yards given up, but I think a lot of people forget that Vic Fangio last year kind of took his foot off the gas pedal, even in, in decently close games or when clo- when games would get kind of close towards the end, where it was kind of more dropping back into a prevent defense, and they gave up maybe you know a few more points than they should and maybe you know obviously more yards than they should. So I, I just I think – when you're really looking at this, I just don't see how the Bears are going to go from the best defense in the league last year by a pretty wide margin in terms of at least uh, pro football, or sorry, football outsiders uh, DVOA to all of a sudden, you know, a, you know, a 10 or 12 unit. It just I don't think that's going to happen. And the other point, like you brought up, is the offense should take a pretty big step. I mean, people can look at it last year and say, well, they scored a decent amount of points, but I think people are also forgetting that the defense also helped that margin as well. I think just the offense going into year two with Matt Nagy is going to be huge in its own. And I, I, I don't know. I, I just think for whatever regression, and I think, you know, if there's regression, which I think there might be, um, you know, on the defense side of the ball, for whatever whatever that happens with that, the, the Bears offense should jump at least two or three steps above that. So, I mean, it and, and again, I mean, you're kind of going back and you look and remember, what was it, 2017, the Rams had – an up-and-coming offense, but their defense was really damn good. And then last year, their defense actually fell off the face of the planet for the most part, and their offense was really good. So, I mean, just because the defense takes a little bit of a step back, you know, the, the, the entire plan of this team and progression and everything, regardless, I mean, regardless of what we're talking about here with the defense, the only way that this team is going to win a Super Bowl is if Trubisky takes the next step and this offense takes the next step. So, again, even if the defense takes a small step back, the offense should more to compensate for that. And I think, again, that's going to make them a better team, even if their schedule is a little harder on paper. Maybe if they finish, even if they were to finish 12-4, and four, let's just say, I still think that they would have a better team than they would last year. And I still think that they would be more poised uh, you know, to go farther in the playoffs if not reach the Super Bowl this year than they would have last year. Yeah, the schedule is a little tough. I mean, I think end of November through December is pretty much a gauntlet when you have like the Saints and the Chiefs and the Cowboys, a road game at Detroit, which could be tough. But I mean, anything can happen between now and those games. I mean, those, you know, injuries could happen, anything like that. Speaking of injuries, I also think a big key this year for the Bears is staying healthy. We saw them stay healthy pretty much all of last season. They didn't really have any major injuries outside of the Bryce Callahan one, um, which forced uh, Sherrick McManus to go into the slot for the final couple of games, but bears were, were able to stay healthy. And I think this year, if they can do that, like you said, I, I just expect, you know, 12 and four, maybe 13, three at worst. I'm looking at 10 and six. Um, hopefully we're not wrong. Hopefully we're talking about a super bowl contending team. Uh, we do have a jam packed show from you for you guys today. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about our three things, um, three news stories from this week, all pretty much within the last day or two. Preview the Green Bay Packers and Chicago Bears in week one. And also we have a very special interview uh, with a Bears legend that Aaron did, which is going to be fantastic. Uh, I think everyone will like that. Let's get into our first break. We'll hit our three things and we'll be right back. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. 
Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves, and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. And welcome back into the Bear Report podcast. Um, let's get into our three big stories here um, for the past couple of days, Aaron. Obviously, the biggest one when the Bears returned to practice on Sunday, um, Trey Burton was not out there. He was on the bike. He did not practice. Um, Ryan Pace did address it on Monday morning saying that Trey Burton did suffer a mild growing strain. Um, it is unrelated, apparently, to the injury he had, the sports hernia surgery, early in the offseason, but it is reason for concern. Um, Burton was officially listed as limited on Tuesday dur- or Monday during practice, I'm sorry, um, where he did a little more. He was out there, but limited. Still a major concern, um, just days away at a position where there's not a lot of depth and not a lot of playmakers, Aaron. What are your thoughts on that? I, man, it's one of those situations where, and, you know, I kind of talked about it on Twitter and some people were not very happy with me and making some assumptions, but I mean, I just, it's one of those, when you really look at the timeline of the stuff with Trey Burton, right? I mean, back in, you know, obviously he missed the playoff game with a groin injury and then he had surgery in March and for a sports hernia and everything that I've read on sports hernia surgery is that it's anywhere from six to 10 weeks. Right. So we're talking March until basically September. We're at the very beginning of September now. And you're telling me that he basically came out and practiced the first week at camp. And then all of a sudden, then they were like, well, you know, we're, this is our plan for him. We, you know, and obviously that was translation for, we took it a little too quickly and he wasn't ready for that. And then he's barely been practicing. He didn't play in any of the games. And then all of a sudden, Ryan Pace comes out and says, well, last week he he hurt his groin again. And it's like, okay, so you're talking about a groin injury, then a surgery, then all of a sudden, six months later almost, five, six months later, then he comes back out. He practices for a week. They pull it back. So obviously he either re-aggravated something or they went too quick, whatever it was. And then all of a sudden, you're what, another three weeks later, then – then he re-aggravates a groin, and now he's, you know, it, he was limited today. But I mean, it's just to me, it doesn't add up. And I know, you know, there, there's been some talk about his his anxiety and all that stuff. I'm not really getting at the anxiety point. What I'm saying is, is that usually when something is recurring, and keep in mind that the the surgery, the sports her, the sports hernia surgery that he had in March was because of the groin issue that he had in January. And that's the one thing. I mean, that's what they talked about it. They said that it continued to bother him. They want to get him right. So they got it done. I think the other thing to keep in mind here is that Emmanuel Hall also had surgery right around the same time. I think it was like a week or two later than Trey Burton. Emmanuel Hall actually played in a preseason game with the bears before being cut. And then he played, I think in two preseason games with Tampa Bay before he was cut again. But the point being is, is he was a full go and he was able to play. So I guess my point is, and this is what I've been trying to say on Twitter, is I think there's more to the story that the Bears aren't leading on to. This doesn't have anything to do with his anxiety or shouldn't have anything to do with his anxiety. That's not what I'm getting at. But, I mean, clearly the, the, this seems to be more of an issue with the, with the groin. It's the same groin that it was before. It's like, you know, the same side, at least, from what I've, what I've, what I've read or whatever it may be. But it's like, 
I don't, I don't know. I it just, I mean, to me, it seems like there's, there's a little bit more to the story. And unfortunately, I mean, he's a big part of the offense. I mean, obviously they've had a little bit more time to prepare uh, than they did last time in the, in the, in the, the playoff game against the Eagles. But at the same time, it's just, he's a big part of your offense. He's your U tight end. I mean, you have Ben Broniker who can play the U as well, but he's, he's not as good of a player. Adam Shaheen, they tried him in the U last year in the playoff game and he was an absolute non-factor. I mean, he has his certain role and it's definitely not Trey Burton. So, I mean, all of a sudden you're looking at a position in tight end where it was already kind of uh, questionable to begin with in terms of depth and, and just overall health. And then all of a sudden you're, you're throwing in this in the mix where, okay, he was limited today and who knows, maybe he practices in full tomorrow. He practices limited again. He plays on Thursday. You're talking a very short week. I mean, there's a pretty good chance. I would say that he's probably not going to play on Thursday and that's, I mean, that's a that's a pretty big deal, even with with the amount of fits that they have on offense and going into year two. I mean, they have plenty of weapons, but he's still a big part of the offense, even when he's just a decoy. Yeah, um, as it stands now, I'd say 60 40s. Not he's not going to play. I think him being limited and being out there on Monday um, did help his chances a little bit. We didn't really get to see much because we're only there for 20 minutes of the open practice. So it's kind of hard for us to tell. We really don't get to see any team things. We get to see a little warm-ups, um, and then we get to see the uh, some individual drills, like tight ends do blocking usually, stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, it's hard to pinpoint. I, I think it, it's just unfortunate that it happened now. I, I See, I'm on the side where I, I don't think it's the anxiety thing. I think maybe the Bears aren't really telling us everything. Um, I I know Ryan Pace said it. I just kind of find it hard to believe it has nothing to do with <laughs> with his with his sports hernia surgery or anything like that. Because I think you know when you're hurt, like when you have an injury like that, something you know maybe flares up, and they could say, "Oh, well, it's not related," but it, it kind of you know builds on that and then goes, and maybe your body's not really ready to be out there, and maybe he goes out there. He did the you know the interesting thing is. When the Bears held that little scrimmage under the lights where they changed the practice to the, the 615 at Hallis Hall, they mocked a scrimmage. They did 61 or 62 plays for the offense against the defense. He was out there. And the quote that kind of stands out was Nagy says, something along the lines that Burton was there and wanted to do more, but we held him back a little bit so you know, so we didn't want to push him, um, whatever. But then you fast forward two weeks later, this past week, when we were at Hallis Hall, we didn't get to see the ones practice at all because they split their team for the ones going to prep for Green Bay, essentially, and the backups and the players that were, you know, fighting for roster jobs eventually get cut um, were prepping for Tennessee. And then when Pace says today that it, it happened last week, you know, that kind of tells me, well, what exactly happened? Was he going full speed at practice? It just it leaves so much questions open because the media was not there for those practices. So, I mean, you're right. We'll see what happens because you know tight end is is not a position where there's a lot of depth. You have essentially a guy in Adam Sheen that has not been able to stay healthy. You have Ben Bronicker who, you know, he, he's not awful. He's not bad. He's not great though. He's primarily a special teams guy. He's a guy that can come out and maybe get you a catch a game if that. Um, and then you have Bradley Soul, who's transitioning from offensive line to tight end, and he's not – you're essentially pass-catching tight end. He's out there to block. So it's going to all rely on Adam Shaheen. I don't see them calling up Jesper Horstead to the practice squad uh, – from the practice squad. So it's like if Burton doesn't play, the Bears might be in a little trouble there because you look at that first half of last season – Burton was kind of a safety net for Trubisky. He did kind of fade out in the last eight games or so, but he was more of a safety net in that first week, or the first couple of weeks of the season. So we'll see 
it's just kind of unfortunate timing. Um, like you said, maybe he goes out there on Tuesday, practices, and he's full participation and plays. We don't know. It's just kind of an odd situation. Um, the second big news story um, that we'll cover right now is uh, the roster cuts, the Bears practice squad. Aaron, were there any surprise roster cuts for you? Because when I look, I mean, I think Jonathan Buller, the writing was on the wall for him. Um, I don't really think that's a huge surprise cut. Uh, I'm glad that the Bears were able to keep um, Alex Bars on the practice squad and they kept James Vowders. Were there any really surprises for you or kind of just figured the roster was set going into that fourth preseason game? I think Alex Bars was probably the only one. I, I understand that maybe they wanted something a little bit more sure than uh, – you know, an undrafted rookie playing somewhat out of position. I mean, he really hasn't played tackle since I think it was like 2016 in college at Notre Dame. But Cornelius Lucas was terrible. I mean, he was flat out terrible every single game. I understand that maybe you want a, you know, a veteran with some, you know, some starting experience and some playing experience. But I mean, when you're talking about a guy that was consistently getting beat the hell up by second and third string players, all preseason. I just don't see how that makes any more sense than keeping a guy like Alex Bars, who at least looked good against those same second and third string uh, players. I just, I don't know. That was that was probably the only one that really kind of confused me. I, in terms of roster construction, I thought that uh, I thought everything pretty much made sense. I thought the only thing that was a little questionable to me was keeping only four outside linebackers. Although James Waters is now on the practice squad, so that's nice. But the keeping six inside linebackers was a little confusing to me. I understand to a certain extent why they did it, just because obviously you got your two starters, you got Nick Wachowski, which you weren't going to let go. Um, then then you had the the three guys with Kevin Pierre Lewis, Josh Woods, and, and Iggy, where they. I mean, they all played pretty well. I mean, I would say out of all three of those, uh, I was probably the most impressed with Josh Woods, and I know the Bears really like Josh Woods, but you're still talking about six inside linebackers on a roster where most, especially most teams in a in a 3-4 base unit are going to usually carry four, maybe five. Five is sometimes a little too much. Six is just overkill. I understand they, you know, they claim they kept the best players on the roster. I'd Again, the, the whole Alex Barr is still confusing. At least he got on the practice squad, but I don't know. I mean, that that was, it, like I said, roster construction was a little wonky at times, and really the only one that I truly questioned uh, was, you know, obviously the, the Cornelius Lucas thing, because I just, it, it's unfortunate, because I actually thought T.J. Clemmings looked really good. Um, and obviously he went down and on a play that the whistle was actually, should have been blown. The whistle was never actually blown, but the the refs were waving the play dead behind players that were actively going after a ball that they thought was a fumble, and he got hurt on that. He tore his quad or whatever it was, and now a season's up with. So that's definitely unfortunate, but hopefully Rashad Coward will be back within the next few weeks. I mean, we kind of talked about it before. I think we all knew Coward was going to be on the roster, uh, but it's just kind of a matter of, you know, when is he actually going to get back? Uh, because usually he only keeps seven active linemen anyway. Ted Larson's always going to be active just because he's the swing interior guy. And then I would assume once Rashad Coward gets healthy, I mean, he's probably going to be the, uh, you know, the, the swing tackle, even though he doesn't really have much tackle experience. But I would take Rashad Coward in a heartbeat over Cornelius Lucas. Yeah, that was kind of the one that um, when we were talking, you and I agreed on. Because... 
if you lose, you know, Charles Leno or Bobby Massey for any any amount of time, I think that offensive line takes a huge hit just because the depth behind them is not very good. Reason Rashad Coward is hurt, but he still hasn't proven that he can fill in and be a really good swing tackle and replace um, Leno Jr. or Massey. Um, and then, yeah, Lucas just didn't really stand out to me much in the offseason or in a preseason. Sorry. Um yeah, no other really surprise cuts. I did like the freakout on Bears Twitter when uh, Taquan Mazel still had a locker and everyone was going through the lockers and saying, oh, you know, here's the practice squad. And then, you know, for an hour, Bears Twitter was freaking out and questioning Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. And, and rightfully so, because if he was on the practice squad, oh, my goodness, I mean, people would have lost it even more. But it ends up James Bowders actually takes a spot um, and was the 10th. And final player on the practice squad, but I like how the Bears assembled their practice squad. They kept a tight end, they kept um, two offensive linemen, they kept uh, an edge rusher, they kept the quarterback, and they kept um, Stephen Denmark, the seventh round pick. So hopefully, none of those guys have to fill in and play big time roles this season because the Bears would be in trouble if that's the case. But yeah, I really didn't have any much complaints with the roster construction. I thought you know the inside linebacker, outside linebacker thing was a little funky. Um, I was actually a little shocked. I, I thought they would actually keep Clifton Duck and the practice squad. Um, I kind of get why you'd probably want to keep Steven Denmark over him, but I thought Duck had a fantastic training camp and was one of kind of the, the standout players for me in um, preseason. But we'll see what happens with his career down the line. Um, the other big news and arguably some of the biggest news that we woke up to over the weekend, the Cody Whitehair extension is done. Finally, it's been something that's been talked about for weeks and months now, but the Bears have locked up their guard of the future to another five-year deal. Um, Aaron, I know you and I have talked about this. We expected it to come. How big is this deal for the future of the offensive line? I I think it's big. I mean, obviously, it was really nice. Um, it was just really nice in general that they were able to get this done. And at least to me, I was actually mostly surprised that uh, – that they were able to get it done at such a good price. I mean, I, I think it was uh, Brad from uh, over the over the cap that does some stuff with the Blitz Network as well on the Bears side had projected his contract. I think it was like right at about twelve and a half million uh, a year over four years, and I think a slightly higher guarantee. So I mean, the fact that they were able to get him for five years at ten and a half million dollars a year, and the guarantee basically runs. I mean, if you want to call it two and a half years, I mean, is really what it comes down to. It'll probably end up being three by the time it's all said and done. But I think that's, I think it was it was a pleasant surprise, and I think it was one of those things too where I mean they've been rewarding the guys. I mean, just look at it. Obviously, it all kind of started with Kyle Long, uh, but they you know they they re up Kyle Long, they re up Bobby Massey, and uh, re up Charles Leno, and now they're they're. They're doing the same thing with Cody Whitehair, and then obviously James Daniels has still got three years before he's actually a free agent. So I mean, they have their their line set up good for a while. I mean, it's not the best line in the world. It's not the Cowboys' line by any, any means, but I think with Cody Whitehair especially, I mean, this is a guy too that I think a lot of people forget. Uh, you know, they they actually traded down twice for him. They traded down originally. They traded down one time, and they thought they were going to get Jason Spriggs. The Packers traded up in front of them. And took Jason Spriggs, and then they traded down again. Still got White here. Jason Spriggs is now cut. I don't even I don't even know if he's on an NFL roster right now, which I thought was. I mean, that just kind of goes to show you right there that Ryan Pace is pretty 
pretty composed in draft situations, so that's always cool. But I mean, it's obviously it's it's a big thing because he's he's been their best interior lineman over the last probably two or three years, especially with Kyle Long getting hurt as much as he has. James Daniels just came in last year. I mean, they've had a, a, a multitude of different names, including Ted Larson that played at times. I mean, Brian Witzman last year, Eric Cush. I mean, they had all sorts of names playing on the interior, and Cody Whitehair was the only one that hasn't missed a game. So. I think it's it's definitely a good move. It's one of those, you know, when you're when you're looking at this last free agent class, right, where you have uh, you, you have some of these guys like Adrian Amos, Bryce Callahan, names like that, where people are wondering, well, why didn't they keep them? You know, why'd they sign, you know, Haha Clinton Dix, and why'd they sign Buster Screen for cheaper deals? This is why, because you have to be able to sacrifice money in certain areas to be able to keep the guys that you truly want to keep or you need to keep. And Cody Whitehair is one of those guys. I mean, we're going to see it over the next few years. Eddie Jackson, Tariq Cohen, uh, you know, Leonard Floyd's going to be another one of those names. I almost kind of wonder if he falls more into the, you know, be nice to have him, but I don't think they can keep him kind of thing. But I mean, you have multiple different players that are going to be coming up for extension draft picks uh, over the next few years that you're going to have to take care of. And this is exactly why you don't go out and spend a ton of free agent money when you, Maybe you have enough cap space to go make a few moves, but you would rather use that on guys like Cody Whitehair. So now they save a little bit of money. Uh, I would assume, I mean, obviously we haven't seen the numbers yet, but I would assume that Whitehair's deal, I would assume, you know, signing bonus is probably going to be uh, somewhere in the range of, it'll probably end up hitting the, the cap this year at, you know, three or four million. You're still going to be able to carry over probably anywhere from 13 to 15 million uh, next year, which will help out. I mean, this is just, Ryan Pace saw how New Orleans operated, both with the fact that they're always tied against the cap and, and, and also the fact that they were able to continue to make moves and, 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 and keep players. I mean, they've been a pretty damn good team for a long time, and a lot of that they've been up against the cap. So Ryan Pace has kind of seen that, and, he, and Joey Lane has too. I mean, he brought Joey Lane over from New Orleans. So they're both aware that as the cap gets tighter, that they're going to have to create space and they're going to have to pick and choose who they sign. And again, I mean, you're talking about a very important uh, piece on the offensive line and the offense in general, especially for a guy like Trubisky, who's still developing going into year three versus signing, you know, your, your seventh, eighth or ninth best defender on the defensive side of the ball on a defense that's already stacked and you were able to replace it. Maybe not with the same kind of talent, but you know, similar talent to where it's probably not going to impact you as much as, letting Cody Whitehair walk next year and, you know, possibly cutting Kyle Long and all of a sudden having to replace both of your guards. Yeah, and Pace was actually asked today when um, he did meet the media about, you know, the Bears cap situation where he feels like they're at. And you know, he said he feels like they're in a good spot. I mean, they're obviously going to have some tough decisions to make. Um, but all these moves are calculated. They're all, you know, with the sense of, hey, we still got to lock up some big name guys. You know, Eddie Jackson, if Trubisky's in their future plans, which I believe he is, lock him up, Tariq Cohen, stuff like that. And they're going to have to make a decision on Danny Trevathan this year. And the one I'm kind of curious about is the backup quarterback in Chase Daniel because he's making a lot of money right now as a backup. And if he's not willing to take, you know, maybe a hometown discount next season, the Bears could go a different way. Um Maybe save some cap space there, but um, Aaron, let's actually get into that special interview that you did. Um, do you kind of want to tell them a little bit about the interview before we get into it? Yeah, so I uh, got an opportunity to uh, do a phone interview with Brian Urlacher. Uh, so the USA right now is doing a, a salute to service NFL boot camp um, this this week, uh, actually at the uh, Naval Station uh, Great Lakes. 
you're in Chicago. Um, so it was kind of a cool opportunity to sit down, talk to Brian Urlacher, um, talk to him about what the USAA is doing uh, with the uh, men and women, women in the service right now, um, just getting them involved, and then also kind of getting his take on the Bears, you know, what he's expecting for the upcoming season, and uh, just more thoughts on that. So it was a, it was a great interview, a great opportunity, and I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. And here's that interview with Brian Urlacher. We'll be right back after that to preview the Packers game. Hey, y'all. Before we get into our very special interview with Brian Urlacher, I just want to note that there were some audio difficulties with the recording device, and some of the audio may sound like it's coming out of just one ear headphone, and some of the audio may sound like it's coming out of the other ear headphone. Uh, sorry about that, but I just want to give everyone a heads up. Enjoy the interview. All right, and uh, welcoming on to the Bear Report podcast. Uh, I'm sure everybody knows him. Probably no need for an introduction, but we're going to do it anyway. It is uh, Bears Hall of Fame linebacker Brian Urlacher. Uh, he's out doing the uh, USAA Salute to Service NFL Boot Camp at the uh, Naval Station in Great Lakes. How's it going, Brian? Doing good. I'm excited to be a part of this. This is a pretty cool event they got going on here. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I was, I was kind of checking out details, and it's, uh, it looks like it was the seventh overall one that they're doing, but the first one in the Chicago area. So I guess we'll just kind of yeah. get right into it. Uh, you know, what's, what's your role in this, and uh, how, how excited are you to be a part of it? Yeah, so we're putting them through drills we do with the combine, basically. We're doing the 40, we're doing the three-cone drill, the vertical jump, the quarterback throw, and there's one more drill. Like catch. There's no defensive drills there, basically. Basically, it's an offensive camp. <laughs> it's fun. It's um, just going through Joe, see how fast they are. Just kind of give them a, a look into what we went through at the combine and just interacting with them. It's so cool to be a part of stuff like this with the military. Uh, it's hard to say no to doing stuff like this. I can definitely imagine. And I, uh, I was reading, too, that uh, Jordy Nelson is a part of this. So I was going to ask you. It's like, he is here, yes. So I see, yeah, the 40, the vertical, the three cone. Do you think there's anything that you can, uh, you can beat him in? You know what? I, uh, I said this before. I, I was out of position my whole career. I should have been a quarterback my whole career. Uh, but I never got to play junior high, high school, college. I always put me a defensive receiver. So I think I can throw further than him. I've never seen him throw. I think I could, uh, I could launch it further. That's so the only you, thing because I, I definitely can't run faster or so catch better. So what you're telling me is, is uh, there's going to be no drills where you're going to be able to light him up over the middle. I mean, this is Bears and Packers. <laughs> yeah, someone just asked me a while ago if I got to tackle him when I played. I said, I don't think I ever hit Jordy. Uh, when we, you know, we probably played eight, ten times against each other. I never got. I don't think I ever hit him. So <laughs> we were just talking about that. And they go to interview. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it's, uh, it seems like a great event. It's great that the USAA is out here doing stuff for you know anyone that, yes. in the service. So I'm going to get to a little bit more uh, Bears questions here. Obviously, you know the season's coming up on Thursday. Yeah. And, uh, so like, what are your overall expectations uh, coming up for the Bears season? I'm sorry, I didn't hear the last part of your question. I'm sorry. Oh, you're good. You're good. I was just asking, uh, what are your overall expectations for the Bears this coming season? Oh, I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. Honestly, you know, the division in the NFC Championship in the Super Bowl, they, uh, they're so talented. You know, if, if they build a little bit on offense of what they did last year, they, they're going to be really good. And then defensively, if they can just maintain what they did, <laughs> I think they're going to be great because they were so good last year. It's going to be hard to get better than what they were. But if they can maintain it, and heaven forbid they get better, they're going to be really tough to beat. Well, and let me ask you this, because it seems like the, the Bears are kind of the sexy pick right now to kind of disappoint, and a lot of that's on the defense. I mean, do you see there being a yeah. sizable defensive regression? I do not see that. No, they have the same players. You know, I think uh, it's going to be a different scheme, but it's the same players running the scheme, so I, I don't see um, a huge drop off there. You know, if not, I see them getting better just because they are, they are a little bit older now. They have a lot, a lot of young guys playing last year who stepped up and played well, so 
and, I, and honestly, the reason I think they're going to be better is because the offense is going to play better, so it'll leave them on the field a little bit less. You know, and they're going to be ahead in more games so they can rush the passer. Uh, there's a lot of scenarios that, that, that play into, uh, playing better defense. Well, and you, you, you're talking about possibly getting better, and one of the guys that I think everybody's got a, an eye on this year, and I think this is somebody that you can speak to very highly of, is uh, Roquan Smith going into his second year. I think he, especially yeah. in uh, Chuck Pagano's defense, I think he's going to be a very good piece. Any, any thoughts on Roquan? He was good last year. You know, he came on late at the end of the season there. At the past end, he played great. He had a pick there. I just – I like his whole game. He plays the run well. He plays the pass. He understands where to fit. Uh, just a good football player. He's only going to get better. The longer he plays, the better he's going to get. Uh, there's no doubt about that in my mind. you got Gervaisen playing the other inside backer. I think he's really good as well. Just – they're good at every level. They're great on D-line, good at linebacker, and they got good secondary. So, I just uh, – I like what they're bringing to the field. Excellent. And we got a we got a few more questions for you here. So I'm kind of curious because the last time the Bears were in the playoffs back to back years was going back to 2000, 2000, or sorry, 2005, 2006 when you were there and yeah. when Lovey was there. How do you think that this team compares to the team that you guys had back then? Well, the defensively, we were built very similar. You know, we were good up front. We had good backers, good safety. We're just solid. We didn't. Uh, we didn't give up big plays. We had a lot of takeaways. They had a lot of takeaways last year and a bunch of sacks, and that's exactly how they do it here. And obviously, we ran the football. That's what they do as well. So I think those similarities are, are easy to see. And then I think um, the thing I like about this team is their head coach is just one of the guys. You know, I think that he's easy to play for. The guys enjoy being around him. It seems like he makes it a lot of fun for him. I love the same thing for us as well. I love it was fun to play for because he let us he treat us like men, which, was, which we appreciated. It definitely makes sense. Is there is there one uh, one player on either the offensive or defensive side of the ball that you think is going to really have that breakthrough year that maybe uh, maybe the Bears need? I think Mitch is going to step up big time this year. His second year with Coach Nagy, uh, we've seen what, what Nagy can do with quarterbacks. You know, he, he's such a good um, just, just football mind. I think uh, the ways the position he's going to put players in to make plays is going to help Mitch out. Uh, it, not that he needs it, but uh, last year he played well. I made the Pro Bowl last year. I just think he's going to take another step up this year. Last question I got here on the Bears, at least, is, uh, well, I mean, we got the we got the game coming up. Uh, do you got any, uh, any yeah. score predictions? Score predictions? Uh, I don't care what the score is on the Bears win. Okay. <laughs> I don't care if it's 2-0, to zero, if it's 41-0. I like to take a game, honestly. I like to be a close game because um, – these rivalry games are just fun to watch, you know, especially when they're close. So I would, uh, whatever the Bears, as long as the Bears win, I don't care what the score is. Yeah, that makes complete sense. The last question I got for you is: You've been uh, one. Are you going to be at the game uh, on Thursday? And two, or have you been doing anything fun in your retirement so far? Uh, yes, I will be at the game on Thursday. I'm very excited about the 100th anniversary game to be part of that. And you know what? I, believe it or not, I'm a professional Uber driver. I drive my kids around all day long <laughs> from practice awesome. to practice. But I don't get paid for it. I just drive around all day. I started mountain biking a couple of years ago. I'm really into that. Uh, still play a little bit of golf, but mostly just hang out with the kids and you know, drive my mountain bike around. Awesome. Hey, I really appreciate your time, and uh, thanks again for uh, coming on with us for a few minutes. And uh, hopefully the game goes good, and hopefully you continue to enjoy the retirement, the Uber, and all the all the fun stuff that comes with it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Vlad. I appreciate it. And welcome back into the Bear Report Podcast. That was Aaron's interview with Brian Erlocker. Some good stuff right there. Aaron, let's get right into this Packers preview. Let's talk about Thursday night, week one, uh, Bears-Packers opening up the 100th season of the NFL. 
It's going to be wild. The NFL has a ton of events planned throughout the day in Chicago. They're hosting a watch party in Grant Park. They're doing a concert, um, just tons of stuff. And then the Bears are actually unveiling two statues, uh, George Hallis and Walter Payton, outside of Soldier Field on Tuesday. Man, the excitement is high. I know it is for fans, but you know, I know the Bears definitely want to come out with a win. This is big to open up against the Green Bay Packers. Um, but you know, I also get that vibe. It, it's it's might it's just another game to them too. I, I just feel like they're ready, they're dialed in, but they're not making this more of a bigger deal than it has to be. Well, I think you know it, it's one of those situations where, and this is something that maybe fans are going to have to adjust their their mindsets as well. The Bears are no longer out there hunting. They are the hunted. Like they are the ones that teams are circling on the schedule as this is going to be a really damn tough game. And I think that's kind of the, the mentality that probably the Bears are taking right now is like, hey, you know, we're we're no longer the underdog. Like we're the team that that the teams are circling that they know that they have to prepare. And and I think that's kind of a big thing. I mean, obviously there's there's going to be some jitters. I mean, there's going to be I mean, one, it's it's week one. I mean, week one is just ridiculously exciting. It's like with baseball opening day is always extremely exciting more than any other game. And then you amplify that to saying, you know, the Patriots won the Super Bowl last year and they're supposed to be the team opening up on Thursday night football like tradition. Now you're saying, no, we're going to go ahead and put you guys in the Sunday night slot. We're going to put the Bears and the Packers. This is the first time the Bears have hosted the Packers in primetime at Soldier Field in damn near like 10 years, if I remember right. And, yeah, 2010, I believe. Yeah, and then on top of that, on top of that, then you're saying this is the 100th year anniversary for not only the league, but for the Bears as a franchise. I mean, that's just, I mean, it, there's, I don't care, like Matt Nagy said earlier today in his press conference, you know, you don't care who it is. I mean, it, there's, if you're not feeling some sort of emotion, uh, then you're not human. But I think it's also more of a leveled, calculated thing where obviously, you know, the, the, the prime time lights and, you know, the, the opening game of the season, and all that stuff, and, you know, it's against a rival. But again, I think there's also probably still a little bit of, you know, they are the team to beat. They are the defending NFC North champions. Like they are no longer the team that is in fourth place trying to take out Big Brother. You know, this is where the, the you know the playing field has been level. I think we've definitely seen that in terms of fan, you know, between the two fan bases uh, online and and just the different things that have gone on. There's a, there's definitely a different mentality change where before it was like the Bears were kind of you know the laughing stock of the, of the NFC North and kind of the doormat and they were rebuilding and they weren't beating the Packers. They really weren't beating anybody at that point. Now all of a sudden it's like they should have beat the Packers both times. It should have been six and zero in the division last year. They were still 12 and four overall. They still made the playoffs. You know, it's just one of those situations where this is just a different thing. This is just a different situation that the Bears are in right now. And I, I would hope that they'd have a lot of confidence for almost every single game that they play this year, just because they should be, despite what the national media is saying, they should be a Super Bowl contender this year. There's just no other way around it. In my opinion, if they are not, then something went wrong. Yeah, and and the whole thing of how last season ended too. I mean, this team's itching to get on the football field today. Khalil Mack said he wants to get out there and hit someone, and you know, kind of threw some trash talk when he was asked about you know what's his favorite moment of the Bears-Packers rivalry, and he said sacking Aaron Rodgers. It's just you know the confidence is there for this team. They want to get out there. They want to open this season out with a statement. They want to win and show in prime time. I just don't think that. You know, it's getting into their heads of, oh, hey, here's this big game, blah, blah, blah. I think they're going to go out there. They're going to take care of business. I think they're going to treat it like any other game because that's what they're comfortable with. And now they know, hey, yeah, like you said, 
you know, they're the hunted. They're the, the team that everyone's coming after. They're the team that's got the spotlight on them, and and, and, and it's their home turf. If they can protect their home turf, I think they'll, they'll be fine this season. Um, and it all starts in week one. Um, but as far as, you know, what kind of I'm looking for, I think, you know, one of the biggest storylines, obviously, is going to be Eddie Pinero. Um, he was named the, start, the starting kicker as he made the 53-man roster. I just think getting, getting him out there, getting a nice chip shot field goal from the make, getting some confidence will be huge. But this is going to be a storyline that's going to be talked about. It's already been talked about before the game. It's going to be talked about during the game, in the pregame, halftime. And if he misses, it's going to get even worse. Um you know, more talked about, and if he comes out and struggles especially, hopefully he doesn't do that, but that's going to be one of the big storylines. Any other storylines that you're kind of looking at um, for this game on Thursday? Well, I think one of the big ones I'm kind of curious about is you've you've got a new offense in Green Bay, right, with under Matt LaFleur, where there's already been reported that maybe there's been some friction between him and Aaron Rodgers in terms of just how things have been going with the offense, you know, whether that's true or not, who knows? It's still a new offense. It's still the first new offense that Aaron Rodgers had to learn in quite some time because Mike McCarthy's always been the coach. Even if they've had different offense coordinators, it's always been the same offense versus a bears defense where it's kind of the same concept. Big Fangio had been there the last four years. Uh, you know, they built that defense from scratch. I mean, there was nobody there from before the Ryan Pace era that is still on the defense right now outside of Sheriff McManus, but he's more of a special teamer. Uh, and now you're throwing in Chuck Pagano, who by all accounts seems like he's going to be more aggressive. Maybe he's not as well known as a defensive coordinator because of his failed head coaching um, tenure in or uh, I don't know if really call it failed. I mean, they still made the playoffs. It was like two or three years out of the, the five years that he was there. Either way, the, their defenses weren't very good there because their their GM simply didn't want to put talent on the field and whatever else. But I think that's kind of the main storyline for me is I want to see, okay, the Bears' defense was great last year, right? Uh, the, the Packers' offense is still good because they have Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. How, you know, out of those two units, because I think this is really what this is going to come down to, is how are those two units, who's going to win that battle? Because I think that on the defense side of the ball for the Packers and on the offense side of the ball for the Bears, I think, you know, you've, you've at least got some continuity there. I think that's a pretty evenly matched battle. Um, but I think on the other side of the ball, can the Bears defense get after Aaron Rodgers early? Can they rattle him? Can they make sure that he doesn't come back late in the game? Um, or, you know, are the, are the Packers offense, are they going to come out? run off the bat kind of like the bears did to them last year where the first two drives of the game, they were highly impressive, you know, and then, the, then all of a sudden there's some adjustments made and then all of a sudden things kind of change. And, you know, that that's probably the biggest battle that I'm looking for just because, like I said, I mean, you're, you kind of got new versus new going on and that's out of the ball. Even if maybe there's not a ton of new names, um, there's, there's still going to be uh, some level of newness just because of the coaching involved. Yeah, and, and, you know, another thing we've seen for years, Aaron Rodgers torment the Bears, just torment them. And last season was finally nice to get a win against them at home. Um, but, I, you know, I, th- I expect Green Bay to come out. I think they're going to try getting the Bears off balance, and they're going to try using those quick slants, those quick throws from Rodgers, keep him clean in the pocket, get the ball out quick, um, and contact the Bears' defense in that way, especially if Chuck Pagano comes out blitzing early on, which I expect him to do because Pagano's going to be a little more aggressive than Vic Fangio. Um, Pagano's going to sit in the house a little more. He's going to show you different um, schemes, different blitzes, you know, different players going to be up at the line of scrimmage. 
I just think if, if, if the Packers want to win this game, they're going to have to keep Rodgers clean. He's going to have to get the ball out quick, much like we saw in that second half of week one last season where, you know, that first half he was hurt, but the second half he was playing essentially on one leg. And what Green Bay did was put him in shotgun. He's just got to throw the ball quick out, and Chicago could not figure out how to stop that. So we'll see what approach Matt LaFleur takes with his offense. Um, defensively, you know, the Packers are going to throw a lot of different things and show Mitchell Trubisky a lot of different looks, um, especially early on. I think Trubisky, you know, in the first half of week one last season, he looked good. Then it kind of got to him. He was very bad in the second half. First half of the second game, he struggled. That second half, though, he played really well, and he threw that, you know, that uh, game-winning touchdown to Trey Burton. So see how, how Trubisky responds to that. He talked, you know, he, he admitted, he said, yeah, Packers are going to throw some looks at me. They're going to throw some different things at me. I just have to come out and essentially recognize them and take care of business. I think that's what it's going to come down to. Trubisky can come down, have a good game, not make the mistakes, and make some plays more often than he doesn't make the plays. As obvious as that sounds, I think that's going to be the biggest key to victory for the Bears. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think I think the Bears absolutely have the edge uh, just because, one, it's at home, and, two, I just think they're simply the better team. But – Again, I mean, there's just there's there's a level of newness, especially from the Packers. I mean, they got a brand new head coach, which again they haven't they haven't had that for a while, um, and just the level of pieces that they added, even on the defense side of the ball, it's still Mike Pettin is the defensive coordinator, but at the same time, I mean, you're still talking talking about a, a defense that added uh, well, they added Zadarius Smith, they added Preston Smith, they added Adrian Amos. Uh, Savage on the back end. Um, they added. I'm trying to think who else. I know they they made another move as well. But I mean, there's 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 more talent on that defense. Uh, I think the secondary is still a little bit of a question mark. Uh, at least in terms of you're talking about Kevin King. Um, you're talking about some of these other guys that really haven't stayed healthy. Linebacker is going to be interesting because outside of Blake Martinez, I mean, they don't have anybody. Warren Burks is hurt. They just traded for B.J. Goodson today, who was going to get cut by the Giants. The Giants aren't a good team, so I mean, take that for what it's worth. So. Again, yeah, I just I think that it's going to come down between the Packers offense and the Bears defense. And I think the Bears defense should be the better unit, even with the new defensive coordinator, because they're an established unit. They have Cleo Mack. They have multiple all pros on that defensive side of the ball to where they should be able to do enough to where they should be able to win the game, even if the Bears offense and the Packers defense are somewhat evenly matched. Aaron, let's uh, take it to our matchups to watch and our players to watch. You want me to go first? Well, let's do uh, let's do players to watch. One player um, to watch. I'll go first, if, if you don't mind, unless you yeah. really want to go first. No, go for it. Um, so yeah, obviously, I think Trubisky is the bit is is the obvious pick here. I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna go um, with Haha Clinton Dix, a former Packer. Um, you know, the Bears obviously swap places with uh, Adrian Amos and Haha Clinton Dix. How that worked out. Um, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him. I think this could be one of those revenge games. I know Packers fans have been saying he can't tackle. He really struggled in his last couple seasons with the Packers. I think this could be a big revenge game for Ha Clinton Dix. Um, I think him alongside Eddie Jackson, he'll be better. Um, he's in a better situation. I'm going to go with him as my kind of like my pick to click, the guy that I'm going to be looking for the most um, that could have a big impact on Thursday night. You know, I think I'm actually going to go, and maybe this is a little boring, I'm going to go on the opposite side. And I'm going to say Adrian Amos because I'm actually very curious to see uh, how he responds, especially in the defense that, that that they're in. I think that he's going to be playing a little more single high than he did with the Bears. Um, and I'm also kind of curious just, I mean, it's been a 
widely debated topic, not only amongst Bears fans, but amongst Bears and Packers fans in terms of, you know, who got the better in the deal between Adrian Amos and the HaHa Clint Dix. I don't even know if I'm really looking at it that way more of, I'm curious to see how Adrian Amos is when he's not around Eddie Jackson, when he's not around Kyle Fuller. I mean, don't get me wrong. Jari, Jari Alexander is a very, very good corner, very good young corner going in his second year. But, I mean, you're talking two all-pros that are next to you in a secondary, plus Prince of Mukamara. I mean, that's that's pretty good talent to have around you, plus a front seven that has Akeem Hicks and and uh, and Khalil Mack on it. I mean, come on. Like, it, it's it's just I, – I don't know. I guess I'm very curious to see, one, how he's going to play the ball. Like, part of me has this feeling like if Trubisky throws an interception just by, you know, fate itself, it's going to go to Adrian Amos, which would just be hilarious considering he has three regular season interceptions in four years. But – I'm very curious to see how he plays as a whole, just because this is kind of one of those things where both teams are relevant right now. Um, you know, the Packers actually went in and, you know, in my mind, a little bit overpaid for a guy like Adrian Amos. And I, I don't know if I'd say took him away from the Bears, but I mean, the Bears definitely had interest in re-signing him at their own price. And, and the Packers went out of the way and signed him and gave him good money. So that's definitely going to be the the one player on the Packers side that I'm watching for, because I just think it's, it's going to make for a good storyline. That's not the first time the Packers have tried to pick pick away uh, defensive back from the Bears. Remember, they did offer Kyle Fuller. The Bears matched that offer sheet. Thank God they did because Fuller had a fantastic season last year. I like it. We got like the trash talk matchup essentially. The whole the all offseason Bears and Packers fans have been arguing over haha Clinton Dix and Adrian Amos, and it's just it's happened to work out that that's both of our uh, players to watch. Let's do matchups to watch. Um, you want me to go first or? Yeah, go ahead and go. Go ahead and go first. I mean, because cool. I, I feel like I already kind of covered mine a little bit, but yeah, I mean, I'll you know I'm gonna go with the running backs against inside linebackers. I think um, that's a position where the Packers are kind of struggling. They're they don't have a lot of depth there right now. They did make a trade, um, as you mentioned, with um, uh, acquiring B.J. Goodson. We'll see how much he plays if he does play. But I think this is a big chance for the Bears to expose some mismatches with Tariq Cohen. Um, I think we're gonna see a lot more of Mike Davis than people expect. And heck, you know, the rookie David Montgomery might be able to feast in his first NFL game. Uh, I don't think the Packers inside linebackers are good at all. I think this is the one weakness where if the Bears can attack him over the middle, you look at this matchup, if, if they line up David Montgomery outside or, or in the slot, if they line up Tariq Cohen, trying to get those mismatches in the middle of the field and make things easier for Mitchell Trubisky. I'm going to be watching that, and I think if the Bears can take advantage, they'll be in really good shape. Yeah, and – I'm going to go, again, kind of like I've been talking about, you know, Packers offense versus Bears defense. I'm going to go on the other side, and I'm very curious to see how Chuck Pagano gets after Aaron Rodgers because, like like you pointed out, I think that there's a pretty good chance that he's going to blitz a decent amount. I think we're going to see Roquan Smith flying all over the field. But I'm more curious to see – Leonard Floyd usually eats against the Packers. Uh, Khalil Mack also has been pre- was pretty damn good against the Packers last year. Akeem Hicks usually shows up big in primetime games. I mean, that's just the way it is. I, there's, I think that the Bears have a very high chance of being able to get to Rodgers multiple times, and I'm kind of curious to see, not that I'm rooting for an injury, don't get me wrong, but I'm kind of curious to see how Aaron Rodgers can physically hold up to that kind of abuse over the game. I mean, we, we saw it last year. I mean, he obviously it was a little bit of a freak thing when he hurt his knee, but that impacted them for the rest of the year. It's one of those situations where the Bears could really set the tone coming out in that first week of the season, not from an injury standpoint, but just kind of establishing right off the bat that they have 
just as good of a front seven, if not better, just because of the development of some of these guys. In fact, that Khalil Mack is, you know, on the team for another year, went through training camp and all the offseason programs with these guys. And and I, so I think that's kind of be the one thing that I'm really curious about is how often can they get to Aaron Rodgers and, you know, how big of an impact is that going to have? Because that could easily shut down. I mean, you're talking about all the quick the quick throws and stuff that they went in the second half last year. I would expect them to attack the same way. So, and one of the things is Vic Fangio never really blitzed that much. I think that we're going to see much more aggression from Chuck Pagano. So how is Chuck Pagano going to be able to essentially stop the quick pass game and get to Rodgers? That's, that's my biggest curiosity. I'm with you on that. Um, I'm very interested in that matchup as well. Let's do our predictions to kind of wrap that up, if that's good. Um, you want to go first in predictions? Yeah, I can go. Um, so I got the Bears 31, the Packers 24. Um, I, I know that sounds a little high scoring. I think that the Bears offense is going to come out, and and I think we're going to see another level, regardless if Trey Burton plays or not. I think you, I think Anthony Miller will play. Just the fact that Allen Robinson is – is finally established in the offense. You're going to have David Montgomery out there, Mike Davis. I mean, I just I think the offense is going to get rolling, and I don't think it's going to be as easy to stop last year because it's not going to be nearly as predictable on multiple levels. Um, then on the uh, you know on the defense side of the ball, I think that the game is going to look a little closer than maybe it should. Um, I, I, I could foresee some sort of late score from the Packers and maybe some late push, kind of like what happened in the uh, you know maybe like a field goal and then they go for an outside kick or something like that, uh, kind of like it was in what was that week 16? No week. 15 uh, when the Bears clinch the division. Yeah, I'm going to say that the Bears win. I'm going to go 2017. I think Eddie Pinero hits a field goal late to uh, put them ahead, and the Bears defense holds off a late charge from Aaron Rodgers in the final minute or so. Uh, Bears open the season at 1 0, feeling great, going into a big matchup against the Broncos in week two. Um, let's hope we're both right, Aaron, because I, I'd love to talk about a Bears win the next time we talk, which will be next week. Um, Aaron, where can everyone read your work at and follow you on Twitter? Yeah, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL. Uh, you can read my work at thebearreport.com. Um, well, you know, got stuff on the on the message boards as well. I think I got another preview coming out this week, and then obviously the what to watch for, and you know, some some post game stuff as well. So it's going to be where I mean, we're back in action, man. I'm I'm excited. I am ready, man. This is I'm busy. We're all busy, but it's a, it's a good kind of busy because I loved writing and talking about the Bears at this perfect time of year. You can follow me at, at Twitter at, at Zach, Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson. Uh, you can read my work on the Bear Report as well. We'll be back next week uh, recapping hopefully what is a Bears win. We're previewing the Denver Broncos. I think we're going to have a couple Broncos guys on to uh, kind of give us some insight on our old buddy Vic Fangio and where the Broncos are at after week one. Make sure to check out this podcast, rate, review, um, subscribe, all major podcasting platforms, and we'll be back next week with a new episode.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.